The kakadu plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Greetings, everyone. (laughs) Hello, children. Welcome back to the final episode this year of Recryptulous Romance. Halloween is upon us. And that means we're done with these spooky stories for now. True. I mean, although I'm sure they'll come up again. <laughs> like, how many of these stories are just spooky on their own merits, you know? Mm-hmm. So true. Yep. So true. Love is scary. Isn't love that in is... the vows? Love is scary. Love is kind. <laughs> love is spooky. Love is blind. I think that's what it was, right? Yeah, I think that's what it was. I don't remember. Well, It was close. I'm Eli. I'm Diana. And we're so excited to have you back with this. Yes. Always. The last recryptulous romance of the year. Mm-hmm. We saved the best oh, for God, last in terms of just all out spooktacular That's horror right. show nightmares. Ugh. And this episode was something we already had on our list, but then Lauren Rockburn at Rockburn reached out to us on Instagram and suggested it as well. So yes. shout out to Lauren for having this uh, uh, ready for us because uh, 
yeah, we, we, you, we couldn't not do this story at some point. Ooh, Lord. Yeah, this one. And Halloween weekend feels like the perfect time. Of course. Yeah. Very much in the Halloween spirit yeah. as well, because we watched Hocus Pocus last night, which is a my classic. Halloween tradition. A classic. And no one is having more fun, we decided, than Bette Midler, Kathy Najmi, and Sarah Jessica Parker. It's true. I they mean, are having a blast. They are film. having such a good time. <laughs> They're, uh, the, the movements they all put together, the choreography, even their facial expressions. I mean, like, just, yeah, that's a whole lot of fun. And they're like sisterhood they created with their little like spats and when uh-huh. they would when they would come together and when they would fight. It was just so well done. I just love it. That's such a good one. Anyway, it, so it really put me in the mood and then you made it all creepy with this story. Oh, <laughs> this is probably the polar opposite mood of, of Hocus, Hocus Pocus. Pocus. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think we have to get right into this I one agree. because you're ready for spooky season. You guys are ready for a creepy story to get uh-huh. you through this weekend. Yeah. And uh, this one's really going to set the mood. Definitely. This is the story of Karl Tanzler, also known as Count Karl von Kosel. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a German scientist, question mark, <laughs> um, who fell in love with a young Cuban girl. And, um, and I'm not even going to spoil for you that it just got really bad from there. Yeah. <laughs> oh my so God, I say we get right into it. Let's do it. Hey there, friends. Come listen well. Eli and Diana say you're welcome to hell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about corpses who are lying in crypts. A lover might be any type of monster at all. A ghoul, a ghost, or a demonic doll. But if there's a spirit worth a second chance, we'll put it in our show, Recryptulous Romance. <laughs> a production of iHeartRadio. Carl Tonsler. And we learned it is pronounced Tonsler and not Tansler. Carl Tonsler was born in Germany in February of 1877, and he grew up in Dresden. He was a bright kid and very curious about the world around him. A lot of the fine details of his story here are going to be pulled from Ben Harrison's 1997 book, Undying Love. So I want to give a big shout out to Ben Harrison for the work he did to kind mm-hmm. of dig all these details up and put them together. Yeah. He pulls a lot from Carl's own writings and his autobiography, and those describe his childhood. Although Ben does say that the veracity of these autobiographies is, quote, simply not to be trusted. And you won't, anyway, <laughs> by the time this story's over. <laughs> so no worries. Uh, Carl grew up mostly in the countryside on a family estate called Villa Kozel. Now, this was a large, drafty old castle, and it was known to be haunted by a spirit called... The white woman. <gasps> Not a white woman. Oh, the scariest of all no, creatures. No. A Karen's <laughs> haunting my castle. So Carl's mother had told him that this ghost, the white woman, had appeared many times over the last hundred years or so. She was said to be the Countess Anna Constantia von Brockdorf, who was an ancestor of the Tonsler family who died in 1765. Now, this was a real person, a real historical figure, Anna, the Countess of Kozel, had worked to become the official mistress of King Augustus the Strong of Poland in the early 1700s. But uh, there's a whole other story about her here, and the Polish court basically hated her for her very heavy involvement in politics 
as we've seen on this very show many times for royal mistresses. Mm-hmm. Sounds quite familiar. Uh-huh. They, they'll they'll dig in. They'll try to start manipulating the politics. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in their favor. Sometimes just they genuinely think they can help the country. Right. But either way, the other people in the court don't take too kindly to it, and they usually start scheming against her. Right. It's all just a big tug of war. Oh, yeah. And you keep changing the sides of the rope. But... <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happened here. Rumors broke out that the king had made a secret promise to marry this woman, mm. and the court got to work, and they really worked hard to try and replace her with a Catholic mistress, and it worked. Oh, and in 1713, Anna was banished to a castle in Dresden, and she remained there for the next 60 years until her death. But now her ghost haunted the walls of the Villa Kosal and made visits to family members. And when Carl was 12 years old, he met her for the first time. A vision of a very beautiful girl in a white dress came to him. She was reclining on a Rococo settee and didn't speak, but just watched him. He painted the image, but beyond that, it didn't really hold his attention. He was more focused on his interests, like electricity and chemistry and astronomy, and especially the new interest in flying machines that was sweeping across Germany. Oh, yeah. Hot time for Hot time. airplanes. Mm-hmm. So by the time he went to college, he was experimenting with electricity in high-voltage laboratories, and he was building hot air balloons and gliders like big just a big science engineering kind of guy music and art were of no interest to him and he says quote girls did not exist for me except formally and i did neither smoke nor drink okay so he was real like focused just very one track kind of dude it's all about the science Mm mm-hmm and he claimed that when he finished school he had nine degrees which would be quite an accomplishment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but basically nobody believes that <laughs> to right. have been true. Yeah. But Harrison writes that whether or not he genuinely had those degrees, he was clearly very brilliant. Carl has a tendency towards exaggeration and colorful storytelling, as we will <laughs> definitely see. Uh-huh. But he was fluent in many languages, and he clearly had a brilliant mind for science. So he's he's got some smarts. Yeah. But one night... In 1899, while Carl was deep in his studies, he had a visit that would change his life forever. It was near 11 p.m., and he sat at his desk surrounded by stacks of books and laboratory instruments. Not wishing to be disturbed, he had locked all the doors to his study, and he planned to be working long into the night. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw a pencil on the table start to roll towards him. He tried to ignore it, But suddenly, it lifted off the table, and it flipped around in the air and then clattered to the floor. Then, a matchbox floated off his desk as well, and then his books. He was amazed as eventually the desk itself lifted off the floor and carried itself up into the air. The chairs in the room started dancing around him, and he said he wasn't frightened. He still thought this could be some kind of prank, and actually he found the whole scene kind of funny. But then he heard a large crash, and he found that one of his mercury pumps had shattered. Fifty pounds of mercury poured out across the floor, and it was hundreds of dollars worth of equipment. This made him furious. He screamed, and the floating books and furniture fell to the ground, silent. 
I want to speculation station here yeah, real sure. quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if he's working around that much mercury, mm-hmm. as I understand it, that can make you a little crazy. We may have identified so, <laughs> the problem with Carl. Yeah, right off the bat here. <laughs> he's got too much mercury to in his brain. I mean, it was contained in glass, so he may never have, you know, might have been safe, but... Uh, he's, he's a chemist, you know. Right. I in mean, the late 1800s. So any number of things could have gotten into that brain of his. Mercury is a medicine yeah, for a yeah, while, too. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. Um, I want to know who he's got around him that can pull that prank off. Because <laughs> his, like, desk is raising up in the air. Yeah, right? And he's like, oh, Frank, you're <laughs> such a prankster. How would you do this one? Frank the prankster. <laughs> Always coming in with those pranks. The next night... Carl tried to go to sleep earlier and drifted off around midnight. At 2 a.m., he found himself mysteriously awakened to the sight of two women in his bedroom. One was a tall woman with snow-white hair, and she leaned over his bed, staring straight into his eyes, her cold and weightless hand clutching his arm. It was the ghost of Countess Anna of Kosol. The other woman hovered behind the countess, as if she were trying to hide. But the countess held her hand and kept her close. She wore a long, dark veil. The countess bent lower and closer to Carl and said to him, I've been trying to get your attention for some time, my boy, but you wouldn't take note. You were too much engrossed in your experiments. That's why I had to use some violence. Look here, Carl. I have brought you the bride whom someday you will meet. Carl tried to respond, but couldn't speak. The countess stepped aside and pulled the young girl closer to him. The veil parted, and he saw a young girl's face. Quote, So beautiful, I can't attempt to describe it. She smiled at him for just a brief second, before the countess took her hand off his arm, and they both vanished. Ooh. Spooky ghosts. Spooky ladies in his bedroom. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I bet a lot of guys have a dream where they wake up and there's two ladies in their bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but one of them doesn't usually lean in and say, hey, this is your future wife. I know. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I thought we were here for some fun. Wait a minute now. Wait this a minute. is a weird dream. <laughs> we just met. Yeah. <laughs> I- I'm mad because... This sounds like uh, Lovecraft, where he's like, Mm. so beautiful, I couldn't describe it. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you're the author. That's your job. You have to describe it. Find some words. Tell me it's not enough, but you give me something. Mm -hmm. uh, Eldritch terror, so horrifying. Words cannot even come close. Well, guess what, buddy? (laughs) That's That's, kind of your job. That's your job. I wonder if the editors ever said that. Like, come on, Lovecraft. That's what we're paying for. Give me something. Give me something. We gave you a whole advance for this. <laughs> now, Carl took a very scientific approach to this whole interaction. He couldn't deny what had happened because he saw it. He experienced it. Mm-hmm. But he also had no rational explanation. So as a scientist, he was determined to find one. He started studying metaphysics, which he'd never really touched before. But soon he realized that there really wasn't enough literature available to him where he was that was going to help him find the answers that he was looking for. Mm -hmm. So he decided he was going to set out on his own expedition and travel the world to try and find the answers that he sought. This brought him to Genoa, Italy, 
and into the Campo Santo Cemetery. He wandered amongst the tombs and gravestones, unsure exactly what it was that he was looking for. Then he passed by a marble statue. He found himself drawn to it as if he were under a spell. And when he saw her face, he noticed the face in the statue was the exact same girl that he had seen in the apparition in his bedroom. There was a name carved into the stone, Elena. She had died at 22 years old. He was compelled to say the name, and he repeated it again and again. Elena, Elena, Elena. Then suddenly, the figure of a live girl seemed to detach itself from the statue and walk slowly past him, looking straight at him as she moved by before vanishing. Well, now he had a name, and he continued to search for answers and for the girl herself. His travels took him halfway around the world, and according to his book, he eventually settled down in Sydney, Australia in 1901. There, he became a British citizen and was employed by the Australian government as an electrical engineer and x-ray expert. And after almost two years, he was visited again. He was eating dinner when he saw her. The same girl from his vision in his study those few years ago, the girl from the cemetery statue, Elena. She had rich black hair, so long it reached her knees. He wasn't sure what to say, so he addressed her formally. What can I do for you, my lady? She had no answer, but gave him a smile, which he described as, quote, the most heavenly I had ever seen. She stretched out her arms to him, and he felt his hair raising as he slowly approached her. Her arms closed around him, and he felt a divine happiness like he'd never experienced. The chills turned to warmth, and he felt them both float off the ground. But then she vanished, dissolving into the air, and he was terrified that he'd lost her, or that maybe she had sacrificed the last of her substance for that one embrace. But she reappeared the next night and stayed with him for a full seven days, never speaking, just present. She stood by his bed as he fell asleep, until one night she vanished. Huh. Rude. Man. <laughs> also, when they floated up and then she disappeared, did he, like, fall to the ground? <laughs> he just looked. <laughs> uh, in the comedy version, yes. In the comedy version, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, of course, my favorite version of this story. <laughs> yes, I went the, the, the Mark's. Marx Brothers version of the Carl Tonsler That would be very different. (laughs) (laughs) So years went by and Carl hadn't seen her. He was kind of depressed and he also spent some time in the hospital with typhoid and malaria. But that would be the least of his worries because in 1914, as we all know, as we always say, a little kerfuffle broke out (laughs) between the British and the Germans. The Great War. Yeah. And of course... Carl was a German living in Australia, which was a dominion of the British Empire. Mm -hmm. And despite his alleged close relations with the Australian government and his many friends there, he, like all other German citizens at the time, were forced into an internment camp. Mm. Okay, it's important to note here that, again, this this is Carl's version of the story in terms of 
his travels, mm-hmm. whether he sailed away in search of this mysterious ghost love. Uh, to Australia, living there, working for the Australian government. That's all from his memoirs. And historians are pretty dubious of a lot of that. Some suggest that he never lived in Australia and he was actually part of the German army. And he ended up being captured and sent to a prison camp in Australia. Um, But whatever happened, he was imprisoned in Australia. And he describes it as a fairly nightmarish and uh, isolated situation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because internment camps are never fun. Mm, I and mean. <laughs> these people are rarely treated well because they're treated as enemies, he said. And I'm thinking, Speculation Station, mm-hmm. that this experience in and of itself could have really mentally damaged this guy. Yeah. And given him who knows what kind of stories his mind might have come up with to sort of cope with it. Uh, not just in the present, but in his own past, he might have created memories, you know, that mm-hmm. put him on this journey. Oh, I, you know, he's captured and thrown in prison in Australia, but maybe he's thinking, no, I, I was on a journey to find my mystical promised love. Mm-hmm. And and that's how I ended up here. You know, yeah, it, it all seems possible. Wow. That's so it's just interesting what your mind can come up with yeah. sometimes to protect you. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're probably right. (laughs) Well, Harrison says in his book, uh, in fact, a quote is, if these traumatic memories are all accurate, one may theorize that this interval of imprisonment may have been the triggering mechanism for PTSD, causing his later agitated mental states and altering his sense of reality. Mm -hmm. So all all under that same umbrella there, just like whatever he went through here might have made him a little crazy. Right. So he was in this camp in Australia until the armistice was signed in 1918, ending World War One. Carl, at that point, left Australia and headed back to Germany. And we are going to head back to a commercial break. Ooh. <laughs> we'll be right back. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back to Recryptulous Romance and the story of Carl Tanzler and Elena Milagro de Hoyos. Carl was back home in Germany now and had just turned 40 years old. He hadn't seen the ghost of Elena in well over a decade, and he was ready to move on with his life. Sure, makes sense. I mean, sure. That's yeah. a long time to dedicate to a ghost oh, woman man. who just appears as a statue sometimes. I can't remember what happened to me 10 years <laughs> ago, you know? And I <laughs> no, haven't been yeah. in an internment camp, so. <laughs> Seriously. So he's like, let me just do something normal. He met and married a woman named Doris Schaefer around 1920, and together they had two daughters. And then in 1926, he looked around and realized that he lived in Germany in 1926. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ooh, let me uh, do something about this. <laughs> change. <laughs> change this situation. You need to change this situation because yeah. things are looking pretty grim. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and his sister already lived in Florida, and he'd heard such great things about Florida. Sure. As you do. <laughs> <laughs> Worldwide. Probably a very different Florida then than it is today. <laughs> it is today. I don't know. Maybe it was just as crazy. So anyway, he was like, oh, Florida seems nice. And so he decided to move to Zephyr Hills. And he arrived ahead of his family. They were following behind him in 1927. But their reunion was brief. So Doris was half Carl's age. She's much younger than him. And she's a healthy, determined, practical woman. So that contrasts a lot with this very fantastical, imaginative guy. Right. Um, and his first memoirs, which he'd written in the time between when he arrived to Florida and when his family joined him, he was already mixing fantasy and reality. 
He made no mention of his family. He described himself as, quote, Ulysses in search of Elena. Hmm. Shortly after his family arrived in Florida, Carl was short on money. So he took a job down in Key West at a marine hospital and moved down there alone, leaving his family in Zephyr Hills. And he wrote that he was employed as a pathologist and X-ray specialist. But a woman who worked with him says he showed up destitute, like willing to take any job, and ended up working as an attendant who cleaned up after procedures. So he was like a janitor, basically. Yeah, pretty much. A janitor in the operating room. So it's like... Specifically blood. (laughs) Yeah, it's like (laughs) half an intestine on the ground. He's like sweeping up. Latex gloves. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But Carl kind of a charmer, all right? He's smooth talking. He did have existing knowledge about x-rays and stuff Mm -hmm, like that. mm -hmm. So it did allow him to kind of talk his way up to being a technician who worked with the x-ray machines. Yeah, they they do say that he was probably self-taught in science and that he, Mm -hmm. even if he didn't have these nine degrees, he did teach himself a lot about it and could carry a conversation and sound very smart. Yeah, so so he's doing okay, but he was working at this hospital with the x-ray machines when he met Elena de Hoyos. Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos was the daughter of a cigar maker whose family had been quite wealthy in Cuba, but they moved to Key West after falling on hard times. She had two sisters and a very large extended family who all visited regularly. There was always loud and boisterous conversation and laughter and just a strong sense of community. A lot of people coming in and out of their house all the time. She was born in 1909, and she was the middle child with her two other sisters. She was a great singer and a dancer, and she loved going to the local movie theater. She'd pay a nickel to watch Charlie Chaplin or Rudolph Valentino movies. (sighs) Rudolph Valentino. You got a Rudolph Valentino fan in the house here. Well, I saw The Sheik. For all the movies you haven't seen, mm-hmm. you've seen The Sheik with Rudolph Valentino? Well, it's all thanks to this great girl that I went to high school with uh-huh. named Megan. She loved old films. Okay. So she started a film club at Horizons. Uh-huh. And I had to stay late anyway. So I was like, I'll join the film club. Yeah. And lots of great. She she really knew what she was talking about. So we oh, watched The good. Sheik. And we that's when I watched all those Jimmy Cagney movies. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. Yeah, we watched a lot of good stuff. Oh, OK. Well, that's after good. school. That explains it. Mm-hmm. In her mid-teens, Elena loved dressing as a flapper. It was, the, it was the 1920s then. And she would go to dances. When she was 18 years old, she married a man who was just about her same age named Luis Mesa. She was beautiful, and with her amazing singing voice, she was a popular performer at special events around town. Just super cool girl. Firecracker. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Everybody's favorite. Everybody loves Elena. Yeah. You know. And Luis and Elena's early marriage was pure bliss. They had been together just a few months before deciding to marry. They were just like, let's do this. Yeah. What are we we waiting for? Right. And when the day finally came, she looked so stunning in a beautiful fringed white dress and a red rose and her long, thick black hair. And the wedding took place on February 18th, 1926, which was the same month and year that Carl Tonsler first came out to Florida. Within months of their wedding, Elena was pregnant, and she and Luis felt like they had nothing but a perfect life ahead of them. (laughs) Nothing could possibly go wrong, my right. dear. So this is about the part of the horror movie where the car breaks down in front uh-huh. of the weird, creepy castle. Or uh-huh. Sadly, in November, Elena suffered a miscarriage, 
In the coming weeks, she became thin and ill, and her family thought that it was grief over the baby. Yeah. But before long, they started to suspect that it was actually the other way around. She wasn't ill because of her miscarriage, but rather some existing illness had caused her miscarriage. Oh, yeah. And she developed a recurring cough, just as rumors were spreading that the local hospital had diagnosed several cases of tuberculosis recently. Oh, no. Yeah, tuberculosis in that era was just a death sentence, basically, and not a pretty one. No. Um, There was virtually no treatment. And in Key West during the 1930s, according to Harrison's book, TB was the number one cause of death. And he says, especially in these cigar factories, Mm -hmm. um, which was a very popular place to work in Key West at the time for Cuban immigrants. Uh, It was very close quarters and long hours just really spread through and killed a lot of people. So together, Elena and Luis traveled by trolley to the Marine Hospital for a blood test and an x-ray. And Luis waited as she went into the exam room. There, a technician greeted her, who was going by the name Count Karl von Kosel, which was the name that he had taken when he came to the U.S. Oh. Elena was nervous, and she had had a hand over her face most of the time, just out of pure shyness, mostly. And he calmed her, and he bent down to take a drop of blood from her fingertip. As she twitched from the prick of the needle, he apologized to her, and he looked up. She pulled her hand away from her face... And Carl was speechless. He described it as, quote, a face of unearthly beauty, the face of my dreams and my visions, the face of the bride which had been promised to me by my ancestor 40 years before. He was dumbstruck and shaky. He didn't know what to say. So he stood and he bowed out of the room, unsure if he was awake or dreaming. Wow. Super spooky. I mean, to see this face that had been haunting you for so many years. Mm-hmm. Just sitting on your table. Yeah. That, that is And it wild. must be said that the first time Carl saw this ghost, the first time that the, the Countess Anna's ghost showed up with the girl in hand and said, this is your bride in the future, that was 10 years before Elena was born. So... How this vision worked mm, is, you yeah. know, just as mysterious as as anything in very this story. Very weird. Very yeah. weird. It's like a Doctor Who thing where they keep popping in and out right. at a different time. <laughs> so Carl sat in his lab examining the blood he'd collected and trying to reconcile what he'd just seen. The same woman from his visions, the same ghost who'd appeared to him, the same girl from the marble statue in the Italian cemetery. I mean... What? Then a nurse brought him her record sheet for him to log her information. And there was her name, Mrs. Elena Hoyos. He saw that she was married, and it it did faze him for a moment. He wrote in his memoirs, quote, Was there a curse upon me that after this search of four decades has come to an end, I should lose her again at the very moment I had finally discovered her, my promised bride? But then he continued, What did it matter if she belonged to another? Hadn't I also belonged to another years ago? I was just about to say, uh, <laughs> do you not recall that you were married, sir, to Mrs. Doris Schaefer? Right. <laughs> Tonsler? Hello. Whatever. 
Uh, yeah, and this is the only reference he makes in his memoirs to the woman to whom he is currently married. <laughs> right, right. So and he's writing is... like, oh, long since past, I was married to uh, all those many, many eons ago. And she's sitting there somewhere going like, oh, my husband hasn't called me in a few months. <laughs> I wonder where he's at. I've been waiting around uh-huh. for that deadbeat. Come on, man. He was like, I was married, but then I left, and that's all it takes. It's <laughs> over now, so they'll forget all about me. Well. But he had completely changed in this moment. Right, right. Um, as it's probably come clear to you. <laughs> Harrison writes, after this, Von Kossel mentally turned his responsibilities off as one might turn off a water faucet. Right. And he barely ever thought of his wife and children again. So it's as if a whole, like, he stepped into a whole new life and yeah. the, old, the old life was dead. It was right. like a dead Carl and a new Carl. Right. And and what sort of PTSD or mm-hmm. existing mental illness or anything might have caused this is anybody's guess. They they talk a little bit in this book, which came out in 97. I don't know the, the whole psychiatric field of study may have changed since then, but they, right. they discuss this sort of idea of snapping that his personality really just in a moment just broke Mm -hmm. and became something completely different. And his past memories may have vanished or altered, um, but whatever it was, he's Mm -hmm. just, like you said, yeah, just this totally new Carl who isn't even aware of old Carl. Like you asked him about wife and daughter, he'd be like, what wife and daughter? Right. It's almost as if the real life is the ghost story yeah and the ghost story is the real life Ooh, yeah like yeah. he like switched others. it it's making me wonder like first of all i have to question how much alike all of these women really looked mm. surely he's superimposing a lot of similarity that isn't necessarily there i i mean that's definitely a possibility but i i think even that presumes that these things actually happened in the chronological order that he experienced right, them instead of him instead of him retroactively him making up these memories. Right. You know, I mean, it wasn't until he wrote his books that anybody knew anything about this ghost he saw when he was a kid. True. So maybe that didn't happen back then, and he just thinks it did. He sort mm-hmm. of fabricated... Memory's very untrustworthy, of course. True. So who knows? But... Mm-hmm. But but if he did, I wonder... I also wonder mm-hmm. if he was, like, questioning it up until he saw Elena's in Elena's oh, face yeah, in yeah. person, and then he was like, "It, it must all, all be real." And it was like a cementing, and it was like, "Boom!" Now Could it's be. now all that shit is gone is over. This Could is everything be. now. And he sort of rewrote the experience to yeah. be something that he believed all along. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, so, yeah maybe rather maybe than instead of some weird experiences. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Brains I, are crazy, right? I mean, brains are just even normal brains are crazy. Yeah, they all crazy. It's meat with electricity in it. Oh yeah. It's yeah. going to do some weird shit. I mean, and like a computer, it's going to glitch. Uh-huh. It's going to have errors. It's going to crash. Yes. It's it's wild. Well, his, his is crashing, <laughs> I think. Well, the diagnosis came back for Elena, and she did indeed have tuberculosis. And in fact, she had a particularly nasty strain, which at the time they were calling hasty consumption. And they called it that because it spread and killed so quickly. I was going to say, that's not a... A soft punch of a name. They really wanted to give it to you with that name. Shortly after this, Luis left Elena for another woman and moved to Miami to become a restaurant server. 
Luis. I know. Now, this sounds terrible. This is terrible, right? It doesn't just sound terrible. It is, but... It's a little heartless. He says that her illness had nothing to do with it. And Harrison writes that, realistically, Luis had a very difficult choice to make. He could either stay here and quite possibly die of the same very contagious strain of tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. And I'll note here that much of the rest of Elena's family also died from tuberculosis. Oh, really? So he had to decide whether he was going to stay with that or kind of abandon her and go somewhere else and try to live his life out. So, Mm. uh, you know, I'm not here to judge whether he's a good or bad person based on this choice, uh, only that it was definitely... I I feel like sure a speculation station that it was a very difficult choice for him um, and that, you know, he might not have been super happy either way. Mm. But um, but certainly from Elena's standpoint, uh, that sucks. Yeah, it's pretty cold. Yeah. I mean, Doc Holliday had TB and Kate's Kate still sat in his lap. (laughs) But in either case, it broke Elena's heart. Sure. But not Carl's. Nope. He was just about the only person who was happy about this breakup. The next time she saw him, he told her, Don't worry about anything anymore. From now on, I am going to take care of you. And he just threw himself into studying tuberculosis, and he devoted himself entirely to her treatment. Do you, do you think she was like, well, I thought you would because you're my doctor? You're <laughs> I mean, you know. supposed to take care of me? <laughs> <laughs> but... This is where his expertise kind of came into question. Harrison writes that Carl, quote, walked a tightrope between genius and mad scientist without a net. He was very intelligent and everyone around him thought of him as a genius. But even for his best theories, which he had many about uh, medical treatments and uh, innovative machines, flying machines and and watercraft and electrical machines. He had all these ideas, but he lacked the skill to actually bring them into reality. Mm. Like, for example, he was building this ridiculous plane out behind the hospital. It's big and clunky, and the wheels are like as tall as a person. Oh, wow. And it's this big fat metal machine. Uh, I would never get into this plane. There's (laughs) pictures of it. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) And he told Elena that he would use it to fly her out of here to an island in the South Seas after he cured her. And they would live this life together, you know, in this tropical paradise that they would find. And every time she came over for treatment, he would take her out to the plane and show it to her. They'd sit down next to each other in the cockpit and pretend they were flying. And he wrote in his memoirs that one time when they were looking at the plane, he asked her, could I name the plane La Contessa the Kozel, the Countess of Kozel, and it was suggesting to her, like, you're going to marry me and be the Countess of Kozel, and I'm going to name the plane after you. Sure. And she was like, oh, that's sweet. Sure, yeah, you can name it the Contessa de Kozel. And very much indeed, he painted Contessa Elena von Kozel on the side of the plane the next day. <laughs> I have to wonder if he was like, can I do? Can I write La Contessa von Kozel? And she's like, yeah. I mean, it's your plane. I mean, go for it. And then the next day she comes out and sees Elena, Countess of Elena. She's like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't know. I'm the Countess of Ancozel. I'm? Oh, wow. (laughs) I better go. (laughs) 
Now, he had been sending payments back to Zephyr Hills for Doris and his daughters, but now with his focus on Elena, all of that stopped. He was not, again, they were they were gone for him. Right. It was like they had never existed. And he was showering Elena with gifts and jewelry and making constant promises that he could cure her tuberculosis. He tried several experimental treatments, even concocted some homemade elixirs, which sounds terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Outside of his memoirs, there's no historical evidence that any of his feelings for Elena were reciprocated. Right. So we don't know how she felt about Carl. I'll say that even in the quotes from the memoirs that Harrison puts in his book, mm-hmm. even those, he sounds delusional. Yes. Like he never really writes her as sounding like she's in love with him, but it sounds like he thinks she is. Oh, wow. But even in his own writings, I'm like, dude, she's not into you. Oh, no. <laughs> but he's still responding as though she is. It's very strange. That is so creepy. Yeah. So, so creepy. You know, she's like... Oh, you're so nice to me. Oh, you're so kind. Oh, you gave me a diamond ring. Oh, that's so sweet. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, Thanks. Bye. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. I know, right? I do think it's weird that she would accept jewelry from him, but maybe she just didn't know how to say no or give it back to him or he just refused to take it from her or something. Yeah, probably so. Like, that shit can be so awkward. And I'll say side note, too, that uh, years later, many of Elena's friends said, that shit wasn't expensive. Ooh, <laughs> so Carl was, was buying some nice. bullshit. And this, uh, that he did write that he gave her a diamond ring at some point. Uh, nobody else ever saw that ring. Maybe it's like a ring pop. <laughs> Wouldn't that be? He's like, I gave her this beautiful the, stone. The size of the diamond on this thing. <laughs> and Elena's like, Oh, thank you so much for the lollipop. That will right? cheer me up on the way home. <laughs> from my horrible tuberculosis experimental tuberculosis treatment. Oh man. Well, anyway, all that speculation station. I don't right. think ring pops existed yet, but it was probably <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah, and Harrison also wrote that when Carl confessed his love for Elena to her, she insisted that even though she was aware that she probably would never see Luis again, she still felt that she was married in the eyes of God. She could not be with Carl. Yeah. So anyway, it doesn't seem like probably she was being very encouraging to him, but he certainly was building a whole fantasy. Yeah, he was. Whatever she was saying. He treated her with radiation therapy, and when she was too sick to go to the hospital, he'd go to her and bring this homemade high-power medical unit with Tesla coils that he would use to zap the back of her throat and tonsils. And he claimed her condition improved for a time from this. Yeah, she seemed onslaught. to get her voice back and mm-hmm. and uh, and was more active and feeling better. He says. Okay. He fought with her parents because they brought her company, like they'd bring her friends to see and mm-hmm. stuff like that. They would take her on car rides and just kind of do stuff with her activities that Carl insisted was deteriorating her health further. But honestly, they just knew that she wasn't going to live much longer. And they wanted to give her as much enjoyment as they could and probably spend as much time with her as they could Mm -hmm. until it was over. And then on October 25th, 1931, despite all of Carl's efforts, Elena died. 
Carl was brought to the house shortly after she died, and he made a last-minute attempt to revive her with his electric machines, but she was gone. In his grief, he was angry at her family for this paltry funeral service they had planned, and he insisted that he pay for a better service. And her parents were like, okay, yeah, if that's what you want to do, you know, sure. I I don't think they cared much, but, um, but they were willing to let him do it. On his way to the service... He said that in his head he was hearing Beethoven's Seventh Symphony. Like to him, he thought people would say that was weird, but he felt like it was this very powerful and uh, almost wedding-like experience, he called it. Um, He just didn't have the same feelings that other people did about this funeral. After she was buried, Carl offered her parents $5 a month to rent her room and stay there. Now, this was a considerable amount of money back then mm-hmm. in, in Key West. And strangely, they, they agreed, probably just because they needed the money. And also in their grief, you know, who knows what they were thinking. True. And then he made them a strange promise. He said, quote, I'll take good care of her. I'll not permit her body to decay. And if in the grave, Elena should lose her hair, I'll buy new hair and put it back on her head. He writes then that her mother responded by saying, quote, don't use other people's hair. I have some which she cut off a year ago, and she gave him long tresses of Elena's black hair. Now, he went back up to her room and lay down in her bed where he would sleep many of his nights, and he wasn't really sure how he could live up to this promise, of taking care of her body while Elena was buried underground. So he decided that it was his responsibility to have a mausoleum built and to have her body interred inside. And I'm telling y'all, from this point on, his behavior got more and more bizarre and horrifying and strange and nightmarish and we are going to see it right after this commercial break. <laughs> Ooh, you such a tease. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins. Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. 
Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back with the horrifying conclusion to Carl Tanzler and Elena de Hoyos. Carl had the crypt built and paid to have Elena's body dug up and moved there. The construction took three full months, and moving her was highly unorthodox. When they dug up her coffin, they saw that the rains had already steeped through, as the wood had been cracked when the gravediggers packed the earth above it too tightly. He paid the undertaker to allow him in to redress Elena for her new tomb. Oh, boy. And when they lifted the boards of the broken coffin from her body, the lining from inside had become stuck to her face. Carl had to spray her with a formula to disinfect the corpse and harden its tissues so she didn't fall apart when they tried to move her. It took them hours to clean her and finally transfer her into a new coffin. So he came a second night and placed her into a specially made incubator tank that he built, specifically to preserve her. From there, she was sealed in an airtight double casket with 50 locks on it that required a special key to open. And then the crypt itself was closed with three more locks on the outside. And for 18 months, Carl came to visit the tomb and sat inside by her coffin. One night, he dozed off as he sat in the dank crypt, only to be awoken by a sudden, loud, blasting noise. He looked around 
but no one was there. He thought maybe someone was playing a prank on him. A neighborhood kid came and shot a cap gun while he was sleeping to startle him, but there was no one around. He looked back to Elena's casket, and he saw that all 50 locks had sprung open at once. Then he heard a light tapping sound from inside, like fingers gently scraping at a metal surface. He flung open the outer casket and put his ear down to the wood, but he heard nothing. Then he opened the rest of the coffin and the incubator and revealed Elena. The smell, he said, was, quote, exactly like the healthy and agreeable odor of a young woman's skin on a warm day. Which is so much scarier to me than if it had been rank and disgusting. And from then on, he started having conversations with Elena on his visits. He said he thought that her blowing all the locks open was just a fun, practical joke like the kind that she used to play and loved so much. He chalks everything up to a practical joke, doesn't he? Like People were pranking Carl a lot, I guess. (laughs) He really had a high opinion of what a prankster could accomplish. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, man, you you were the subject of some elaborate shit, I guess. She started to sing to him from the crypt. And one night, he saw a vision of a white-haired woman waiting outside the tomb. Oh, Countess Anna. Countess Anna's back, huh? Mm. And eventually, Elena's spirit called to him, begging for him to release her from the mausoleum. She gave him the very instructions he would need to do so. Bring a large blanket to cover the fence and hide from neighboring houses. Bring a wagon to carry her away. Come when the moon is new under cover of darkness. Real heist planner, Elena. She also told him that the dead woman in her neighboring plot was her friend and that she would help him keep a lookout. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Elena's like a Danny Ocean. She's getting a whole crew together. (laughs) Corpse crew. (laughs) The corpse crew together to heist her own body. (laughs) Where's that Halloween movie? Oh, boy. And on the darkest night in April of 1933, Carl came to the tomb. He opened the locks and took the inner casket with him in the wagon, bringing her back to his own house. He removed her body. Her hair was thick and matted, stuck to her scalp. There were maggots around her head and ears, and her eyes were empty black holes. The spirit told him he must not love her like this. But he told her she was as beautiful as ever, and he kissed her dry lips and breathed air into her lungs until her chest rose. Then he lay down next to her on the table, holding her for the rest of the night. He believed he could resurrect her, but that he couldn't do it with her body in this state. The state of being dead and rotted right. was the state oh, that we're God. referring to. Yeah, it was. He basically said, "Like that would be that would be rude of me to resurrect her like this." It's everything you've done so far oh, is pretty effing rude. God, it is. Oh, I'm so disturbed. That's so 
fucking gross. And he was like, no, you're as beautiful as ever. And then he kisses this corpse. And there's maggots. And there's Ugh. maggots. Well, anyway, hopefully no one's eating lunch right now or something. <laughs> oh, God. But if you are, just save it for later. <laughs> so he couldn't do anything for her with her body in this state. So he mm. decided what, of course... He had to rebuild it. Oh, God. He used wire and broken coat hangers to keep her skeleton intact. He mail-ordered glass orbs to replace her eyes. When her hair began to come loose, he took the hair that her mother had given him and fashioned her a short wig out of her own former hair. Yikes. When her body cavity started to collapse in on itself, he stuffed her full of old rags. He used plaster casting to try and create the perfect mask of her face, and he made several copies of it. But in creating the masks, he discovered that he could use a mixture of beeswax and balsam to set a new form of skin over her. The oiled silk that he had used to protect her face while he was making the mask hardened to her and fastened tightly to her skin. He thought it looked just as beautiful as ever and ended up painting her whole body in this solution, replacing her skin with a waxy, plaster-like coating. He sprayed her with perfumes and preservatives to keep the stench of death at bay. All the while, he's out there working on his airplane, which he believed he could use to fly her into the stratosphere and resurrect her with radiation from outer space. This man is not well. Uh, I he hope is not. not okay. And I got to tell you, I mean, there are pictures, and this is a nightmare looking thing. I mean, this idea that he created this perfect, beautiful plaster mask of her face, that it, 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 he did not. Not. It's really, really terrifying. I've seen I've seen that. Yeah. And this went on for seven years. God. He believed he was returning her to life. But there was no muscle, no blood, no functional organs anywhere in her body. It was effectively a twisted, waxy, modern mummy that he was creating. Yeah. I mean, she was like a scarecrow. Right. And yeah, he had completely abandoned his family. In 1934, his younger daughter died suddenly of diphtheria. And his wife assumed that he would come home to bury his child, but he completely ignored her letters. Wow. He did not attend the funeral, and he sent no money. Mm. And some believe he was just so far gone that he had completely replaced his entire life in his head, as we kind of spoke about earlier. Right, right. He just had no practical memory of even having had a wife and daughters. Right. Like, that was like a past life or like a dream he right. had or something. Meanwhile, rumors started to spread of Carl Tonsler dancing with a wax doll in his house at night. Oh, People are like, that creepy German guy sure has got a weird doll. Yeah. A mannequin or something. Oof. And he's dancing with it, like past the window. Right. Mm-mm. And finally, in 1940, those rumors 
spread to Elena's older sister, Florinda. And Florinda is like, okay, we need to investigate (laughs) (laughs) this rumor because I remember that crazy old dude. Uh Uh-huh. And in September, Carl heard Elena tell him, hide me, hide me somewhere. But Carl felt like he couldn't. The only place he could keep her was her coffin. But in there, he said, quote, she would be deprived of the air which she needed. Oh, man. So he thinks she needs air. Air. I mean, this just shows you how far gone. And again, this is not... He didn't hear Elena's spirit. He didn't hear a voice from somewhere. He heard her tell him, hide mm-hmm. me, hide me. The 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 thing he made. Yeah. He's, he's having body. full-on conversations. This is a conscious person who needs his help in his mind. It's wild to me. On September 28th, 1940, Florinda and her husband Mario demanded that Carl come to the mausoleum and open Elena's tomb. And, you know, he told her, I don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to do that. She actually gathered a bunch of people from around town to go down to that tomb and said, get down here now. We want to see you open it. And he said, look, this is a family affair. So let's talk about this in private. And I will show you Elena's body. So he brought them back to his place. He walked them up to his room and he pulled back the covers on Elena's bed. Florinda, of course, could not believe what she was seeing, and at at first, she refused to accept that this bizarre wax reconstruction was her sister. She asked him how long he had kept her body, and he told her seven years. (sighs) She was absolutely horrified. She demanded that he return Elena's body to her crypt. But Carl fought back. He insisted to her that the crypt and everything inside it belonged to him. He'd paid for it all after all. Mm. And he also said it was better for Elena for him to have her out here than for her to go back into the mausoleum. To him, this made perfect sense. Right, why why he, don't you see that I'm I'm doing what's best for her here? Well, and he's talking about a conscious person. Right. Like he he really is seeing somebody who needs air to breathe, yeah. who can dance with him and talk to him yep. and knows what she needs and wants. Yeah. And that's not what Florinda is seeing. Right. So they're just not even on the same planet right now. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Well, the next day, the sheriff showed up. Maybe no surprise that Florinda was like, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I need somebody to come Get over some here. Get back up here. This is some some shit. I need yeah. some help. And they arrested Carl for grave desecration and removed the body and took it in for inspection. And Carl insists in his memoirs that the sheriff was very kind and understanding and felt like Carl was being wronged. <laughs> yeah. But that sounds like a manager to me. <laughs> Where he's like, listen, man, you know, I don't want to be down here. Uh-huh. I'm I'm with you, really. I'm just trying to get my job done. They asked me to. I got to do this. You know, you, know? you know how it is with a man yeah, yeah, yeah. over there. These ladies oh, are crazy. They're, we're, they're taking your wife away? Oh, that's, that's, that's wild, that's you know. Wild. I'm You're sure like, it'll all work out for you in the long run. Oh, yeah. I'll take good care of her while she's in custody don't uh-huh, worry uh-huh. you know so that carl was like all right you're a nice guy come on in 
Do what you got to do. I, I think Carl just believed this whole time, like, oh, man, I have to go through this so that a, a jury can tell them that I'm right for uh-huh. what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it would not be long before he went to trial. And if none of this is crazy enough, here's a batshit insane little factoid that might ruin what little hope you had <laughs> left for humanity. Oh, no. The trial was obviously a media sensation. I mean, right? this is a guy who lived for seven years with a corpse. Sure. Turned into a more and more horrifying doll. Yeah. And he was talking to it. I mean, you know, this is prime stuff. All of the news, yeah. But the majority of public opinion was on his side. What? Women called him an eccentric romantic. Oh, my God. Just a man who felt passionate about the love of his life. (laughs) He'd go to any lengths to help her. That's so beautiful. Oh, my God. Get you a man who will dig up your body, (laughs) put it in an incubator, make a waxy skin version of your skin, put your own hair on your head, and then dance around past a window with you. Oh, yeah, just a regular Casanova. (laughs) That's what we're going for, ladies? I, my heart is breaking for women of this era if this is what they're like. You know, I would love a guy who was that dedicated. <laughs> I'm like, they were like, you know, I don't know why, but that looks good to me for some reason. Oh, <laughs> like, my God. God. My God. Meanwhile, the trial went very quickly, as you'd expect. Right, cut and dry, right? Obviously. But as you might not expect. Uh-oh. Carl got off scot-free. And why? Because our good old friend, the statute of limitations. Oh, my God. Oh, if you just wait your crimes out. Yep. Just wait out the clock. You can get away with anything. Oh, my God. They were like, hey, so I mean, eh, nobody's really mad at you anyway. Except, you know, everyone who was related to this woman. Yeah, her entire family. And anyone with half a brain, which is apparently not most people. I don't, it's funny because I don't, you know, I'm not sure that once you're dead, your body doesn't matter to you anymore. I I just feel bad for her family because there's something so gross about knowing your family member's body is being disrespected in this way. Absolutely. And yeah, I don't know. It just feels like such a, like, injustice to them. Yeah. I mean, and I, to her, not, I mean, not to mention again, the, she's dead, but still. But not to mention the deception that went along with it, too. Right. You know, like, oh, right. let me build her this mausoleum. She'll be safe there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, let's let's go over the fine details of this and see what your definition of safe is. Yeah. Because I feel like it's different than mine. Plus, if anywhere in this story, people should have said, man, you're not doing well. Someone should maybe yeah. be talking to you yeah. or something, or you should be sitting down somewhere safe. Right. Like, it should be here when they found out that he was literally talking to a court. Right. Like, why didn't anyone right. go, maybe this person's not okay and they need to go somewhere? Sorry, statute of limitations. Free to go. <laughs> I guess he was no crazy comment. then, but he's not crazy now. Yeah, he waited he still it out. got the body. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. So he moved back to Zephyr Hills, no mention if he found his wife and daughter. Wow. Probably not. Doubt it. assume that they probably didn't want to see him anyway. And he sat down and wrote his autobiography there. He published it in a Pulp Fiction magazine. Oh. And got his story out. I'm sure people were more than happy to pay for it. Absolutely. That's worth a nickel. 
Elena's body, meanwhile, was put on display in a local funeral home, and tourists could come see it for a dollar. Ah. And nearly 7,000 people came and paid to see this mutilated corpse. Mm -hmm. Before finally her family members got her back and they buried her in an unmarked grave in Key West Cemetery to prevent further desecration. Carl lived out his life in relative obscurity and became a U.S. citizen in 1950. Then two years later, he died at the age of 75. He was found on his bedroom floor three days after his death, and in his room was a life-sized doll with one of the wax and plaster masks of Elena's face that he made attached to it. What? Oh my God. So horrific. So clearly, I mean, this obsession just never ended for him and his sense of reality, obviously, was completely distorted. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if he was still talking to her or if he knew that it was a doll replacement for what he had already lost. God, who knows? You know, at that point, he could have believed anything. Right. Uh, he might have thought Also that... so gross that somebody was able to just display her body until the family uh, could work out some details or whatever. So like, many issues what is that? that? I know, right? And make seven grand off of it? Uh, because the trial was such a media sensation. Everybody wanted to come see. I'm like, first of all, I didn't want to see the two pictures of it that I saw. Gross. Well, first people were real starved for yeah. entertainment. All right. Oh, yeah. Oh, and this is prime, like, sideshow era. Sure. Yeah. This is what's so horrific about the whole thing is... His very matter-of-fact, practical approach to it all. It's mm -hmm. like when he, when he opened the tomb and smelled this, you know, the the skin of a a young woman, as mm -hmm. fresh as the day, like a like the a woman's skin on a warm sunny day. And I'm like, that's more scary to me that he cracked that tomb open and was like, Ooh, ah, yeah. when if you were in there with him, uh, I. Oh. Uh, you probably would have thrown up from the smell. Absolutely. It Absolutely. I th I think we talked about this on another episode, but that about that movie with Ryan Reynolds called The Voices. Yes. Um, which where he is a, a serial killer, but he doesn't he his point of view in the movie is all sunshine and rainbows and happiness and everything's bright colored and yeah, he's got this everything's pink suit very on clean. and he's great. And then you cut to another perspective, and it's and it's disgusting Truly and horrifying. warped and horrific. Yes. And that's kind of what I feel like it is with Tonsler, right? Yes. I was definitely thinking about the, the that movie the whole time because it was exactly like that. It's it's completely separate from reality mm -hmm. and it's all clean and sweet smelling uh -huh. and innocent. Yeah. That was the other thing about Ryan Reynolds' character is he's actually very innocent and uh -huh. kind of sweet and dopey. And right. Like, whatever and you just are like oh I don't, you know you know what he's up to but right. like you just can't believe this guy that he thinks of himself as doing that right. because that's not really who he is and then you see the real world and it's a fucking nightmare yeah but he doesn't he really doesn't see it at all so yeah i mean that's exactly like carl kind of being like not only smelling not smelling her rotting body right. which is like a very overwhelming gross oh, smell yeah yeah not only replacing that with a pleasant smell, uh -huh. but then also like thinking that breathing 
air into her mouth oh, was God. going to do something. Right. That that rebuilding her body was going to do something. What was the you know how? I don't know. It's and like, then this weird rocket ship he was going to send her on. <laughs> I mean, he just had a whole like whole world going on that does not match this one. Yeah. But I, it was so real to him, clearly. This idea that he had reconstructed this perfect mask of her face. Yeah. And imagine him seeing that and then go look at a picture of this face. Yeah. Because it is the furthest thing from a, from a, from a realistic <laughs> portrayal of a human face. It is yeah. a pure nightmare. Yeah. It's remarkable. This whole story is remarkable. And... Certainly one of the creepiest stories I've ever heard. So gross. For so many reasons. Oh my God. The the when he showed her body to her sister. Oh when my he God. like leads her upstairs and is like, I'm gonna show you. You're gonna meet your sister. Aren't you glad to see her again? And then pulls back the covers and there's this wretched twisted twisted, waxy doll of a corpse. Oh, I I, I can't imagine a more nightmarish experience for anyone than something like that. I mean, that is straight out of a horror movie. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Straight out. Florinda was never the same. But you know what she didn't do? <laughs> she didn't have her mind snap and go and fall in right. love with a weird ghost. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Most of her immediate family died within the same time period of tuberculosis. Oh, that's right. That's right. Her parents and eventually even Florinda herself died shortly after Oh, wow. Um, you know, but th- she had a very large family mm-hmm. extended down there. And I think most of them dealt with this funeral home, displaying the body mm-hmm. and everything afterwards. But even still, I mean, they, they all knew and loved this girl. Yeah. And uh, just an absolutely terrifying experience. And 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 a really extra horrible, considering their family was also like being wiped out by tuberculosis. <laughs> like they weren't going through enough. Yeah, they had a and lot. And then this... this this fake doctor comes in and is like gaslighting them like I can cure your daughter mm-hmm. you've got to let me do whatever I want yeah and just totally made up this story that everyone else just got sucked into mm-hmm. I mean that's when it turns from like a, a creepy ghosty horror story to just like the story of a delusional asshole taking advantage of people yeah um whether he knew he was or not mm-hmm. um pretty pretty twisted yeah the impact yeah you know greater than the intent. Just to recap again, like the story of him and Elena and what he did with her body, all of that is 100 percent true. But who he was before this, his life leading up to it, his air quotes adventures across the world. Mm-hmm. Who knows? The spirits, that, the he spirits met, that he met, the statue, everything. This is all, like we said, like could be very like fabricated after the fact. He may have believed it intently, mm-hmm. um, but... But something happened to this guy definitely, at some point definitely. Um, that really caused a lot of trauma mm-hmm. that I think he dealt with in a way that really affected a lot of other people. It's reminded me a little bit, too, of Raymond Fernandez um, oh, yeah? from our Lonely Hearts Killers episode. Because remember, he got hit by that door and it cracked his skull. Yeah, yeah. And his personality completely right, changed. And right. after that, he became really violent and stuff. And, like, yeah grumpy and just like unhappy it can happen and that you know it was kind of like well if that door had not fallen on him would he have ever been a killer you know would he have ever done any of that stuff right who knows right maybe oh speculation station (laughs) maybe back in his lab that night um carl's pencil rolled off his desk he went down to get it and he like got back up and 
banged his head real hard on the desk. Ooh. And it was just like started hallucinating. And just from then on, he just had this like ghost experience. Maybe that's maybe that was the root cause of it. It's just a just a knock a knock on the noggin. <laughs> if it weren't for that. You hit your head in the wrong place, you never hey, know what could happen. Hey, it's uh not unheard of, I suppose. Yeah. So moral of the story, everyone tonight, I think, is be careful when you're getting back up after you drop <laughs> your pencil. Maybe that's why they started making pencils like hexagonal. <laughs> they were like, We gotta stop. Yeah, they, they can't they be around. They gotta stop rolling. Yeah. <laughs> We're causing a lot of problems. We're making a lot of killers <laughs> with our round pencils. Oh, man. Well, we finally solved the mystery of both <sighs> round pencils and Carl Tonsler. <laughs> Carl Tonsler. You're welcome, history. <laughs> well, I hope you all enjoyed this truly terrifying tale. Yeah. And this whole series of recryptulous romance yeah. that we've had so much fun bringing you this month. I know. This has been really fun yeah. to tell spooky stories. Oh, yeah. Find all these weirdos. <laughs> I, I want to get into more, but I also, you know, we got to save some for next year, right? True. <laughs> well, hey, Christmas has ghosties in it. Oh, sure. Yeah. So we Maybe we can find Christmas a nice <laughs> Christmas past story. That'd be fun. Hey, if you all have any suggestions for stories like these or any ridiculous mm-hmm. romances that you come across, please send them our way. Right. We'd love to hear from you. Like you... Lauren did with this one. Yeah. Thanks again, Lauren. Thank you so much, Lauren, this for sending us this. This is a good one. Uh, you can reach out to us at romance at iheartmedia.com. Right, or on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Dynamite Boom. And I'm at, oh great, it's Eli. And the show is at Ridic Romance. And we would just love to hear from you. Check out our YouTube page where we're going to be having more episodes uploaded all the time uh, with the closed captions available so you can read along with us. And also, uh, you know, drop us a review on the podcast. We'd love to hear from you there. Thank you so much for staying in touch with us. Thank you so much for listening. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Stay safe. Stay spooky. Mm -hmm. And we will see you all in the next one. So long, friends, it's time to leave. But we'll rise again on Hallow's Eve. Put your friends in a vampiric trance and play for them our show, Recryptulous Romance. <laughs>Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. 
Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.